0: Hello everybody and welcome to Beyond the Echo Chamber. I'm your host, Theo Boltman, and welcome to the podcast. Today I interviewed Rabbi Alex. He is an Orthodox rabbi at Brighton Shul. In this episode we talk a lot about anti-Semitism and an- anti-Zionism and a lot of themes that might be distressing to some people. So just a user warning, I guess. Um... Sorry that there hasn't, there hasn't been an episode in a while. I've been extremely busy. Not going to lie. It's been, it's been a lot. Um, I'm excited to be back. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed the episode. This was a really good episode. It took a lot of planning. Thanks so much, guys. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. Today we're joined by Rabbi Alex. Hey. Hey. How are you doing today? Good. Having a good day so far, are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, so let's move on to the questions. So many of my listeners may not know that there are different types of Judaism. Could you please tell me about the synagogue you lead and what stream of Judaism it follows?
1: Uh, our synagogue is Orthodox. That means that um, the Torah and traditional halacha are what governs us. Um, I think it's fair to say that the members of our shul come from a lot of different and very varied backgrounds, but uh, the tin itself is very awful. Um,
0: how did you decide to become a rabbi?
1: Um, well, originally I was going to be a lawyer, actually. So I'm a good good modern Jewish boy. At least I was. (laughs) And then uh, I went to Israel and I was in Yeshiva. And I didn't really want to leave Yeshiva in all honesty. Can you just
0: explain what Yeshiva is?
1: Yeshiva is an institution for people to come and learn Torah. Um, Some proceed proceed on through rabbinic coordination and some don't. So I sort of stayed on for a while. A longer story than that but broad strokes and at some stage or another it became pretty obvious that I wanted to spend my life in Torah and then well the way to do that is to be a rabbi so that was what I did mm. also I think that the role of a rabbi is um is to help people help people sometimes help people find their way in Torah sometimes to just help them in life and that's something I really love doing I find tremendously rewarding So, again, it seemed fairly obvious that I would want to spend my life that way. So,
0: if you weren't a rabbi, you'd just basically right now be a lawyer, you think? Well,
1: I was doing a law degree before. Um, I was enrolled in a law degree and then I started a law degree. Um, Probably would have defaulted to a lawyer. I'm not really sure. It's hard to say. Mm.
0: Um... Would you say that your prayer space is accepting and inclusive of different people's sexuality and gender?
1: Yeah, you sent me that question. Um, Look, the shawl is orthodox. Um, That means what it means. But I think that a prayer space is not somewhere where sexuality needs to be expressed in such a strong sense um, I think that we are a very inclusive shawl. I think we are a very friendly shawl. I think that we love having all sorts of different people. We don't, in that sense, ask too many questions. We never... Um, anybody's really had a bad experience in that sense in Brighton Shaw because I think we really are very welcoming. I think really we really love having anybody who wants to come and we really love having new people. I don't think that 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 the issue of sexuality or gender is something which has to impinge on the synagogue in that sense. And people can come and they can find something meaningful, hopefully something in their Jewish identity, something in connection to God, which is meaningful, irrelevant to sexuality and irrelevant to gender, I hope.
0: Are hmm. um, Australian human rights issues talked about along your synagogue, example, what Australia Day means to Indigenous people?
1: I don't think we've spoken about that that much. Um, Look, it's an important issue. Uh, I think that the specifics of what does Australia Day mean to Indigenous people is um, a bit of a substitute issue for the broader concerns of the Aboriginal community, which is definitely something that we've discussed in the show. I think that issues around human rights are central to our identity as Jews and as Australians, certainly something that we discuss. It's actually I talked about it in my Russia right after New Year's, but I think that in the context of Jewish values, human rights are crucial. How we try to treat every single person with a tremendous amount of dignity and a tremendous amount of respect, irrelevant of their background, irrelevant of who they are. Is something which i think is really important it's a core jewish value i don't think that's a particularly controversial statement um personally i like to focus on more substantial issues substantive issues and less on something that's very very symbolic but i certainly can understand if people feel differently and i think there's a room for those symbols too
0: um when you have talked about indigenous history indigenous issues what's been the feedback like in the shul
1: I haven't spoken from the pulpit about that stuff, but when I spoke to members of the shul privately or in a shul context, um, the feedback has been pretty pop- pretty positive. People are interested in it. This is obviously a black mark on Australia's history. Indigenous Australians have been historically poorly, very, very poorly treated. Uh, I'm a very proud Australian. I genuinely think that this country has something tremendous to offer the world. This country took in my family when they had nowhere to go, um, and that is such a boring ordinary story in Australia and I think that that's a tremendous point of pride but there's no question that that has not that grace for a very long time was not extended to indigenous Australians and that's terrible and they were horribly mistreated yeah. look I think it's something that people are aware of and it's like that we have to we can't fix it you can't go back in time and make it better it's just nothing to do but I think going forward how to deal with issues involving Indigenous Australians in a fair way, and a just way, in a way that makes them feel like they're a valued mem- value members of the community, and a way that improves their material outcomes, is a crucial issue that I think bothers most Australians or at least minimally fair-minded. In that sense, when I speak about it with shul members, it concerns them. It's an issue. Mm.
0: Um, have you encouraged the people at your school to take social action at all?
1: Yes, I have. Once again, this basically the same issue as human rights, we want to treat every human being with tremendous with dignity, and tremendous respect. And part of what that means... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. Part of what that means is that when there are problems that we have to try to go out and solve them. So that means fundraising for organisations in the community that help people. We did a big fundraiser a couple months ago for Big Rafael. Um, Beit Rafael oh. is an organization, the, it's a tremendous organization in the community, it's actually closely tied to Ashul as well. Uh, that what they do is they help people in the Jewish community who have medical issues to make it to their appointments, they drive them around. If somebody needs to stay near the hospital for a Shabbos, they'll organize them a flat. They actually own a number of flats. Uh, they, they conduct welfare visits, they just people who are ill in the community that costs a lot of money so we had a fundraiser for them uh we have a very active big recalling committee so a committee of people who have taken upon themselves it's tremendously generous to just go out and visit people who are unwell sad just need a pick me up whatever it might be just to visit people and make them feel better obviously we give a tremendous amount of charity we work with causes in israel we actively encouraged people to give money to help the victims of the recent bushfires. Social action, again, is part of the core of what Judaism is because sometimes when people are down or not doing so well, for whatever reason, it really doesn't matter, it's certainly incumbent upon us to do what we can to make it better. Yeah, our shul is very active in that regard, I think.
0: Mm. Um, are there any themes in the Torah that, as a rabbi, you disagree with?
1: No. I think there are themes in the Torah that, as a rabbi, I don't understand. Uh, there are things that I find difficult. There are things that cause me to ask questions. But there, um, I wouldn't say that there's something in particular I disagree with. Uh, I started off with, we are an Orthodox Jew. I am an Orthodox Jew and what that means is that the Torah is my guiding light I, I try to fulfill the Torah to the best of my abilities I'm certainly not perfect I try uh, I think there's room for everybody in there there are certainly things in there that I don't understand or that I find very difficult um, you've mentioned the issue of sexuality it's certainly something that I, I don't fully understand the Torah's treatment of sexuality mm-hmm. I think but no, there is nothing that I disagree with in the Torah. I don't think that that's an appropriate attitude. How have you
0: navigated in your shul kind of the Torah and God's stance on homosexuality in today's society?
1: It hasn't come up specifically in my shul. Uh, it came up in a in my previous two jobs a lot. So I was a chaplain on university campus for three years, um, first in the United States and then the United Kingdom. And you're probably not aware yet, but... When people go to university, that really does become a time for them to explore their identity and what it means to them, and in every respect, and 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 sometimes elements of their identity will come into conflict. So specifically, if they are um, if they are gay, then then that same-sex attraction does come into conflict at some level with with their duties, and maybe it might doesn't have to, but it might. Mm. Uh, we dealt with that. We dealt with that both in the sense of how to help keep those people within the community to make them feel like they were valued members and that they were important. We really wanted them to be around, and also to try to help people like that find an expression of Judaism that made sense for them, given where they were. Uh, I think that the key is to stress that whatever people are feeling or whatever choices they might end up making, they are still Jews. We still want them to be connected and involved to whatever extent is meaningful to them. We want them to be there. We want them to be a part of the Jewish people. It's not my job to judge their decisions, judge them to in any way, tell them what to do. It's my job to help them feel like when they need the Torah and when they need Judaism, it's there for them. The community is there for them. And that it has something meaningful to offer them, that God has something meaningful Meaningful presence in their life that they can take advantage of and connect with. I hope that that'll grow over time.
0: Mm. Um, has your God has your connection to God changed over time? Would you say?
1: Yeah, of course. In,
0: <laughs> in what sense? Well, I've
1: changed. I'm not the same person as I was ten years ago or fifteen years ago. Uh, I'm. I don't know. I hope I'm better. I'm certainly more mature that changes things, your change changes your perspective. I think that when I, uh, at some stage or another, any question that I had probably was pretty close to being a crisis of faith. Uh, if I uh, had an issue with something, then I'd agonize over it for days, hours, weeks, months sometimes. wouldn't Like a dog with a bone, I wouldn't be able to let it go, and that was tremendously troubling. Um, over time... It's not that <clears throat> excuse me, it's not that things don't bother me as much. It's that I've learnt to live with the uncertainty and the complexity of that implies. I I am not that I'm not that old, but I'm older than I was. I hope I'm a little bit wiser. I certainly have learnt to live with the idea that I'm not gonna understand everything in my life. Uh, I will have I, I uh Ravamital My Shiva once that uh, he once many times he say, Lometri means you don't you don't die from asking questions. I have a lot of questions, things that bother me. Uh, in the past, I think that they did, pro- they probably impacted negatively on my connection to God because I wasn't able to answer some questions I answered, some I really I don't know the answers. I'm not that good. Uh, in the past, that was tremendously troubling. I've learned now to deal with the fact that, you know what? Life is complicated. The world is a complicated place. I'm not going to understand it. I'm not that smart. Uh, I have to learn to live with that. I don't think anybody's that smart. Uh, that's, that's just the way it is. I can let that eat me up, or I can not to let things stop bothering me, but to uh, learn to live. Like I said, with that complexity. Remember when I was uh, when I was in Yeshiva and the Arab Spring started. So this was a it was a really difficult time in Israel's time with a great deal of, I mean, obviously nothing compared to the surrounding region. But it was hard for us. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty. There were bomb drills, we were scared, didn't know what was gonna happen. I don't know what was gonna happen. Thank God it was fine in the end for Israel. It wasn't fine for everybody else. And the riots started that led to the ouster of, of, of Mubarak, who was the president of Egypt at the time. I don't know if you remember. I. Uh, at the time, I wasn't sure. On the one hand, I felt like I should be hoping and even praying for Mubarak to stay on, because he was good for Israel. And on the other hand, I felt that a man who slaughtered his own citizens couldn't possibly be someone that we approve of. Um, I still don't know what the answer to that question is, by the way. Um, As it happens, uh, Mubarak was overthrown, Um, I'm not certain that the subsequent regimes have frankly been that much of an improvement, Uh, what can we do? um unfortunately that country is going to be in for some more suffering and that's really that's a really terrible thing but yeah like i said that's that was something that really 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 taught me up at the time and i i, look, I still don't know what the answer is i still don't know what the correct course of action is if, if a Jew can impact that you know presumably the israeli government could impact that i don't know what they did about it i'm not familiar with their inner you know, policy discussions but you know what could they do Right? Should they, Which side should they support, if any? I don't know the answer to that question. Suppose that I'm not quite as beat up from not knowing the answer to the question.
0: Mm. Um, do you think a Jew can be a Jew but still be anti-Zionist or would that make them anti-Semitic?
1: I don't think it's theoretically impossible. I mean, forget... Can we... Can I, I'm going to change the question. I'm just going to do it Yeah Um, I don't think that I don't like calling A Jew anti-Semitic I think that's a wrong thing to do Um, Not that it's impossible It certainly exists Right Unfortunately self-hating Jews Are a phenomenon But it's very rare And it's usually a way Of ducking the argument So I'm just going to eliminate The Jew bit from that question Because I don't think it's relevant Can one be anti-Zionist And not anti-Semitic Sure Theoretically Often Anti-Zionism is Um, anti-Semitism Excuse me That's both at a theoretical And a practical level Right So Theoretically, um, if you're an anti-Zionist, what you're effectively doing is denying the Jewish people the right to self-determination. Now, if you were to deny um, Mexicans, right, Colombians, the English, the French, Russians, the right to self-determination, then you would be legitimately called a racist, I think. Right? That, to me, is obvious. It's a right enshrined in various international agreements. It is part of what we define as basic human rights, the idea that a nation can has the right to self-determination. I don't really see why Jews should be different there. I haven't seen a substantive argument why Jews should be treated as different. The idea that Jews... The only thing that sometimes people say is that Jews are not a nation and it's not just religion, It's just, uh, that Judaism is just a religion and not a nation, that's historically incorrect. Any scholar of Jewish history can tell you point-blank that Jews have historically always regarded ourselves as a nation this is not a new thing it's not post 19th century it was always the case is endemic throughout jewish literature we always were a nation so i don't really see a reason to deny us that basic right um i think that some people deny any nation the right to self-determination right Or as they dispute that that's a right either because they don't think nations should exist at all or because they think they should, but they shouldn't be based on on national identity in the same sense. That maybe. I mean that that's not inherently anti Zionist at all. That's. I mean, that saying we're going to change the entire world, we're going to redo the whole shot system. I don't know if that's a practical thing, even if I approve of it, which I don't. Um, but uh, that's not anti-Semitic. Um, I do think that there is a problem. Okay, so anti-Semitism also a theoretic plane is often anti-Semitic because it denies Jews a right that you're according to everybody else. Also, practically speaking, when we're talking about criticism of Israel, which is overtly anti zionist denies Israel's right to exist, um, compares Israel to, to the Nazis, um, Holocaust denial, things like that, they're not just anti-Semitic theoretically, they're anti-Semitic in effect. Uh, these are... Statements which are minimally designed to be extremely offensive to Jews. When you tell a Jew that they are just like the Nazis, excuse me, that's not distinct to, to pick an example that you used before, that you alluded to before, to tell an Aboriginal that they're just like the people who executed the one child policy. It is intended to be offensive. It is is anti-Semitic, both in effect and probably in intent, and in that sense, a lot, unfortunately, of criticism of Israel crosses the line significantly into anti-Semitism. Having said that, it's also true that not all criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic. It is possible, it has to be possible, but it is possible to criticize Israel fairly, to criticize the Israeli government, to criticize Israeli policy fairly, to not cross the line into anti-Semitism, and it does... And sometimes the word anti-Semitism is used to stifle legitimate criticism of Israeli policy. So that's my... I don't know. I don't
0: know if I answer your question. Oh, no. Yes. Thank you. Um, do you think Do you think there's still more that the Australian government can do regarding anti-Semitism?
1: I mean, maybe, but Australia's pretty good, honestly. Um, she a, a really good life here. I was just in the UK. Um... Not the UK is the worst place in the world for Jews, it's not, but it's not great. Uh, The shawl had the most intense security system I've ever seen on the shawl in my entire life and it's not the the most, it's just the most I've seen, personally. Uh, They had this fence that was making, it had a layer of chicken wire so people couldn't even get stuff through the gaps because they'd been firebombed through the gaps in the fence a few years ago. Um, There's a CCTV. System that is the only way to get it at all. You have to have, I mean, unless you've got a key, you have to have someone let you in, right? There isn't a code because they're too afraid the code will be misused. They're, they're afraid. Like, as in Jews in the UK have unfortunately uh, become targets of anti Semitism in a way that in Australia we've never experienced. Uh, in the US, I mean, this is part of a larger story of gun violence, obviously, but um, in the US, there have been shootings in synagogues. This is something that we haven't seen since the Holocaust. Uh, Jews in I mean, I don't again, I'm not I'm not a French Jew, I don't know what the situation is, but I can tell you that when I visited France I was told to take off my keeper. Uh nothing like that happens here, thank God. Um Australia's pretty good. Does that mean there's no problem with anti Semitism? Of course not. We saw it, we all saw it at the end of last year. I actually made a video recording about it if people are interested. I, the, the problem of anti Semitism seems to never go away, sadly. But I do think that Australia's pretty good. And I think that, look, that's not totally due to the government at all. That's partly due to Australia being a really laid back, pleasant culture. But I think that part of it is due to the government stressing issues of human rights and equality and toleration in the education system. And these are things that, that Australians are brought up on. They are very, very much part of the lifeblood of the country, at least they have been in my experience. So um, is there something more that they can do? I, mean, I don't know. Nobody's perfect, but I think the strength of them government's pretty good, honestly. Mm. Um, in
0: Western society, do you think there are many parliaments where anti-Semitism is pre- present within the politicians?
1: Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, if you look through Western Europe, literally every single party has out-and-out out anti-Semites. Um, either people who would call themselves anti-Semites, it's a little bit more unusual, but it exists, or at the very least people who, by any normal measure, would be called anti Semitic, people have denied the Holocaust. People have denied Israel's right to exist altogether. People who, in one rather trenchant example, deny, uh, deny that... Have, to have denied that Jews could ever be have an identity as part of their country. Yeah, sure. There are anti-Semites in most parliaments. Um, sadly, it's a problem that doesn't seem to go away. Even in Australia's? I don't want to comment on Australian politics. Um, I don't know of a specifically anti-Semitic statement by an Australian politician, but I haven't been living here for a long time. I only got back a few months ago. Um... Like I said, Australia's better than most. Um, yeah. Mm. Um,
0: does your synagogue encourage young people to speak up about what they care about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You should.
0: What issues have been brought up by the young people in your synagogue?
1: Um, issues in how the synagogue runs to make them feel more included, right, to answer their specific needs in terms of programming, in terms of how services are run, things like that, have been quite prominent. Um, and then it also issues around, like, where times when they want the synagogue to do something and in a broader societal context, right? Um, some, some of the fundraisers that I mentioned started with ideas from the other members of mm. um,
0: Do you think there are similarities between the plight of asylum seekers coming to Australia and the Jews fleeing Europe after the
1: Holocaust? Sure. Um, asylum seekers are kind of asylum seekers, right? Yeah. Stories might be different, are different, but the fundamental problem of them, fe- of them fleeing a threat to their lives, hasn't changed. Um, again, I'm not going to comment on Australian politics. I don't have a view, or I'm not going. More accurately, I'm not going to express a view about how many of them are legitimate asylum seekers and how many of them are perhaps not. Um, I do think that almost every system will get gamed at some point or another. So the mere statement that there are some who are probably exploiting holes in the system is not a reason to deny asylum seekers' uh, asylum. Again, we we are a country that was built by people who came from other places. Many of them were refugees, my parents included. So I think that we have to be very mindful of that tradition and how much it has shaped our identity and frankly how good it's been for us purely selfishly we have to fulfill our international our international humanitarian obligations in that sense we have to take people who are running from persecution or from other threats to their lives the question of how you assess it what you do in the meantime and how you deal with the way in which they get here is look it's a political question it's outside of my field of expertise mm. um, yeah I think I don't think I'm qualified to call on that specific issue. But yes, I think that asylum seekers, of course, are similar to other asylum seekers who have come to Australia in previous generations.
0: Um, but do you, as Jews who have been in, as Jews who have ancestors who have been in a lot of the situations these asylum seekers have, do you think it's our responsibility, in a sense, with organisations such as Stand Up helping the Ethiopian... No, Sudan refugees, I believe.
1: Not sure. Anyway, um, what you didn't ask, you didn't finish the question though. Do I think it's our oh, responsibility to do what?
0: Do you think it's our responsibility to help a lot of the asylum seekers that have been in the, si- in the situation we as Jews have been in?
1: I think it's certainly our responsibility to help asylum seekers. I don't, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not inclined to be prescriptive as to how. Um, once they get to our community, to raise money for them, to help them integrate, maybe to help teach them English. think these are all very meaningful things that can be done uh but maybe there are other things that are good as well i don't know
0: yeah um so final question (laughs) my podcast is about opening up discussions to people with different opinions in a world where social media and politics is driving hate and fear how do you think we can come together and unite
1: I think the most important thing is to not let an atmosphere of hate and fear, um, ever, ever infect us. Um, somebody once told me that the best way to have people listen to you, the best way to have people respect you and to have people respect your views is to never say something bad about anybody. That's true. Um... Can we have legitimate disagreements? Of course we can. But when it strays into ad hominem attacks, attacking people because of who they are, then we've done. Then something's gone very wrong. It should ne- that should never be necessary. Let's assume that the vast majority of people are at the very least well intentioned. And work on that basis and see if we can if we can actually persuade people of our viewpoint. And if we can't, right, if they don't end up agreeing with us, then we also have to live with that. Right? Thank God we live in a free society. We live in a society where people are free to do and say more or less as they please. Part of the price that we pay for that, part of what we get from that is that we're free to do and say what we please. Part of the price we pay is that we also have to be okay with other people doing that as well. If we can learn to live with that and learn to respect people to are different to us in their viewpoint and their actions even when we find their viewpoints and actions very difficult, then I think we'll all get along much better.
0: Um, But, for example, when you say, like, when people disagree with us, you eventually just have to leave it. Yeah. For instance, Scott Morrison's inadequate response to climate change. Like, we can't really just
1: leave it. (laughs) I didn't say that you... uh, uh, Firstly, we have once again straight into policy, which I am not going to comment on because it is not my field. I, I am a rabbi. I do not know this in other words, I am not a climate scientist, so I can't express. I mean, I read the news; I can tell you what the newspapers say. I'm not good at saying something more than what the newspapers say because this is again not my field. Um, so I'm going to leave you to interview a climate scientist on that particular issue or economist. That'd be an interesting. Might that might be an interesting contrast. No, but, but um, in the sense, yeah. but look, as in, in the sense that as a citizen of the country who has a vote, I have to make an informed as has informed a decision as I can on that issue. um Do I wish that Scott Morrison was doing more in that sense? Probably. I think there are good, solid arguments for us to pollute less. I think some of them are climate change related and some of them are related to issues that have nothing to do with climate change whatsoever. And it'd be nice if we were polluting our environment less. Uh, Do I have a solution for how that's to be done? No, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't pretend that I know what I'm talking about. But do I feel like we can probably do more? Instinctively, yes. Um... No. When it comes to policy, I think that we can uh, continue to express our view and continue to try to change the policy. But I don't think that that's relevant to the question of division in society. right? If you and I disagree on something, which I'm sure we do, then I have to respect your, your right to think what you want. If you become Prime Minister of Australia, if that's your ambition... <laughs> then I might not let go of my disagreements quite so easily because there we're debating what has to actually be done and the reality is that we have elections every few years, right? And what has to be actually done is re-adjudicated by the electorate every few years, so the issue is not closed. That's a different question.
0: Have your shul, in a sense, talked about a lot how we can unite and come together, and do you think your shul is very united in a sense?
1: I think our shul's pretty united. Um, Have we talked about how we can unite? I think we're pretty united. We don't, I mean, you know, the usual stuff, but it's not like like we're constantly having fights or anything. I don't think we need a specific, you know, course about uniting us. Uh, So, no, we have not. But, sure, it's always a good thing to think about how we can get along with people better.
0: Do you think, as in, are you... Is your shul, as an orthodox shul, do you think it's important that your shul kind of not blends more but talks more to more progressive shuls and you guys kind of unite in a sense?
1: I think there's room for us to speak to more progressive, to, you know, to the progressive denominations when we need to, when we have a common interest, uh, when we're dealing directly with the government on issues that, that affect all Jews. That's, that's you know an obvious time. Um, when there's an issue where we all basically agree, right, and we can all sort of come together, sure. Um, do I think there's a need for it to happen all the time? No, I mean, there aren't that many shawls that we constantly do stuff with, just as a practical matter. We have done events in the past year with Moorabbin, with Elstonwick, St Kilda, Caulfield, maybe a couple of others. Um, this is South Coffee, I suppose. We haven't. It's not a, that common an occurrence for us to get together with another shul on something because most of what a shul does is internal to that shul. Right? We have davening, we have events, we have shurim. These are all things that happen within the building. There's no real need to do them with a different, with another shul. You know, most of the time. Uh, there are obviously exceptions. If there's something that makes sense to do with one of the progressive shuls, then sure, why not? But, um, no, I don't think it's something that needs to be done more often than than that.
0: Um, do you think your shul, compared from now to 20 years ago, would you say, like, kind of the security around it and making sure everyone gets in safe has intensified
1: or de I didn't notice shul 20 years ago. Oh, true. I definitely think that shuls in general have intensified their security, and that's something that I find very sad. Uh... I don't remember ever seeing a guard outside of a shawl when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Uh, You just walked in. Maybe there was one unarmed guy who was a member of the security committee. Like, that was it. Uh, The fact that, I mean, we don't have an armed guard. We just have a locked door, um, which you either need to know the code or you need to know someone on the inside who can let you in. Um, If you come in and we don't know you, then... The security committee, which is typically two or three people, will question you on the spot just to make sure that, it's, that you're someone who should be there. Unfortunately, we are living in that time. Uh, some of the bigger shuls in Melbourne do have armed um, security guards, either during the week or even on Shabbos, or Field, I don't remember that being the case. Um, so, I went to this as a kid. and. I'm not certain how, sufec- how effective the security guards were at keeping people out. I, um, I actually think they probably weren't. I think that their main job was keeping students in. Um, I'm not sure if that's still the case. Mm. Yeah, that makes me sad. That's it's a shame that it's come to that. Um, I hope the situation won't deteriorate any further.
0: Mm. As like in my entire life, I don't think I've ever not seen a security guard or in something like that outside
1: a shul or a Jewish school. In How old sense. are you? 15, 16? 14. 14. So, yeah. You're too young to remember what it was like before there it's, was security guards.
0: And it's sad. It's sad that anti-Semitism, even after the Holocaust, has intensified, if anything.
1: Yeah, that's really depressing. Um, like I said, hopefully it won't get any worse now. Yeah. Uh, I hope, I hope it will be taken seriously by people who have the power to, to affect it. Australia, thank God, does not have a serious anti-Semitism problem at this stage. Uh, in spite of what I just said, these security measures are th- necessary, but thank God, precautionary. It's not like we're reacting to something that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that will stay the case. Uh, not just because if something happens that means that Jews were hurt or killed, but also because it'll show if we start reacting to something we actually know about our society as opposed to something we fear will happen then that would mean that something's gone very wrong that would mean that the society around us is far less friendly to us than it used to be i haven't seen that yet um there is a there's a crack body actually lives somewhere i think based in brighton or whatever i don't remember now a total nut job. He hoists, he hoists Nazi flags every so often, Holocaust and a whole show. Um, our local representative regularly writes about how terrible it is. Um, you know, he calls him out on social media. I think that's appropriate. Um, I hope that that continues to be the norm. Right? I hope that those who have the ability to affect public views and public education take this issue with the seriousness that it requires. I hope that, you know, the incidents last year when those Two boys were were victims of anti-Semitic violence in Shul. Are taken those incidents are taken seriously and appropriate educational measures are put in place. But anyway, so I, I hope that recent incidents are taken seriously by the government and appropriate int- educational measures are put in place. But you know, beyond that, we'll see. I hope that I hope that it doesn't get any worse. Mm. Um,
0: what would you say, other than? don't be anti-semitic to people that aren't necessarily jewish how can they help with the anti-semitic issue
1: if you hear somebody making an anti-semitic comment or an anti-semitic joke don't just sit there certainly don't laugh don't just sit there in the same way as if they would make an anti-muslim comment and you'd probably walk up and get up, stand up and go away i hope you would at least In the same way as if they made an anti-black comment or an anti-aboriginal comment, you would, I hope, stand up and walk away, or you'd yell at them, you'd tell them that that is not okay. If somebody makes a comment about Jews, if somebody says something that is inappropriate, tell them that it is, and if they keep going, that person should not be your friend. The way in which you can affect the culture is by making it very clear that anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, just like other forms of racism, is utterly unacceptable.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. That was amazing. Thank you so much. Jesus. Thanks so much. Oh. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to another episode. Um, today was really exciting. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the whole thing. hope you're not getting bored. Um, if you want to contact me, ask me any questions, even want to be on the podcast, I mean, why not? Just email me at beyondtheechochamber at gmail.com. Um... If you could please rate me on podcasts or Spotify or SoundCloud or whatever you're listening on. And thanks so much for listening, guys.